You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with healthcare professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. And we'll kick off this half hour with a look at some of the health news stories that caught my eye this week. Lots of interesting things to share. And we begin with a, well, something we haven't done in a while, and that is a COVID update. Almost fallen off the radar screen for a lot of people, but, you know, it's still out there. And right here in Allen County, three more deaths just this week, several hundred cases identified. So the virus is still on the move. And I've told you before, I keep a very close eye on England and Europe because they're generally about three weeks ahead of us in COVID trends. And, man, they are seeing an uptick in COVID because of some new variants, the BA4 and BA5 COVID variants. They're still in the Omicron sort of family. Remains highly contagious. And no one is really quite sure what's going to happen in the fall. That's when we all go back indoors. The humidity level goes down. And that is just ideal conditions for aerial spread of this virus. And these strains, BA4, BA5, seem to be able to break through vaccinations and immunity from previous infection. So far, no big jump in hospitalization, so the infections are not life-threatening. But, you know, you got to pay attention to what's happening over there. If we get a big wave this fall, one thing that's going to be different is that now there is Paxlovid available. So this is a drug that is a combination of two antiviral medications, and it is proving to be really very efficient at keeping the COVID infection from advancing into the danger zone. Well, there are some downsides, though. People, now that we know more about this Paxlovid, they're saying that once you take this med, you have to take it several times a day for a period of days, you often have just an awful aftertaste. Uh, diarrhea is a big problem, and it causes muscle aches. So there's a lot of concern about are people really going to want to take this medication as word of those side effects starts to spread. There are some users that are reporting something called, they've <laughs> nicknamed it CRAP, C-R-A-P, and that is COVID rebound after Paxlovid. So it apparently is uh, making people more susceptible to a reinfection of COVID after you've taken Paxlovid. So that's still emerging, still lots of science to happen on exactly what's behind all of that. But Paxlovid, it's in the, it's in, it's in the stores. You'll be able to get it with prescription, of course. And um, they say it cuts hospitalization by 90%. So that's a big deal. So if we get a COVID wave this fall, expect this drug to be prescribed to very high-risk patients once they're proven to be infected. The rest of us probably going to still be in a range where we kind of isolate and ride it out. So far, these strains of COVID appear to be relatively mild and not progressive to serious disease. And in case you didn't hear... Word came out this week that Dr. Anthony Fauci tested positive. Now, of course, he's fully vaccinated. you got to assume he's been living a very cautious life. He says he has mild symptoms. Uh, but it's more evidence that try as you might, be as careful as you can. But sooner or later, this virus is going to find you and do what viruses do. So I've reported before here on something else that uh, caught my attention this week. A new report out that says vitamin D3 is important for lots of reasons, but more evidence 
The D3 helps minimize dementia. We know it plays a role in preventing COVID, but now out of Australia comes a study that shows if you are deficient in vitamin D3, you have a much higher risk of having dementia. Low levels of the vitamin were shown to have lower brain volumes and an increased risk of dementia and stroke, according to this study. And it went on to claim that vitamin D deficiency actually isn't causal. They think it is, in fact, part of the reason that you have dementia. Almost one in five dementia cases, they say, can be prevented if we increase everyone to a what's considered to be the optimal normal level of vitamin D3, and that is a blood level of 50. Important because where we live, there is just not enough sunlight through the fall and winter to create that optimal level of vitamin D3 in our blood. So unless you take a D3 supplement here in this part of the United States, chances are you're going to be deficient. Now. I take 2,000 units of vitamin D3 uh, a day, and that is keeps my blood level at that 50 level. So you may be different. Your body may be different. So the vitamin D test, inexpensive, easy to find. And it's a good idea just to know where are you at on vitamin D because, man, we've seen the connection to COVID, lots of other autoimmune conditions, many different factors teaching us that vitamin D3 is more important than many people thought. And there's another blood level that's worth paying attention to, according to yet another study. In the journal Nutrients, I found a study that said people with higher blood levels of DHA and omega-3 fatty acid are 49% less likely to develop Alzheimer's. So omega-3 fatty acids along with D3, very important. And DHA in particular, this form of the omega-3 fatty acid, DHA, is important for cells in the retina, the brain, sperm. So high-quality fish oil or krill oil supplements seem to be the best source of that particular form of omega-3. So. Omega-3s, vitamin D, if you're worried about cognition and dementia, and that's me, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much paying attention to all of that. This is Men's Health Month, Health Awareness Month, and I've got to admit that I am guilty of the number one mistake that men make in managing their health care. It's something we all need to be paying attention to. The biggest men's health issue uh, that men should be aware of is they just don't go to the doctor enough or they go too late. Uh, I think when you look at men and their relationship with physicians, most don't go to their doctors until something is wrong. All men on an annual basis uh, should have their cholesterol checked, they should have their blood pressure checked, they should have a prostate exam, they should have a PSA or prostate specific antigen, if not every year, every two to three years, uh, to help establish a baseline uh, for evaluation of possibly clinically significant prostate cancer in the future. That is Dr. David Teal. He's a Mayo Clinic urologist, and he says at an age when more, fewer and fewer of us have a family doc or a primary care physician, I mean, a lot of people these days use sort of the, the doc in a box, the ready-med sort of care. This doctor is saying, more than ever, a physical examination is something that we need to have, but it is far less common. So what does tend to lead men to see the doctor? 
Um, one of the things when you look at men's health that would take someone to the physician would be erectile dysfunction. Something's not working properly, so they seek medical attention for that. The key for men to know is, especially younger men who have erectile dysfunction, is it's, it's often associated with other uh, medical conditions such as heart disease, such as diabetes, such as blood pressure problems, and so on. So erectile dysfunction in men, which would take them to the doctor seeking medications, uh, may not just be erectile dysfunction. It may be a signal for something else. So don't be surprised if you go to the doctor uh, for something else and the doc quizzes you about your sex life sort of out of the blue if he raises the question. That's the concern because ED is a red flag for many other conditions. And more doctors are dialing in and tuning into the fact that I need to be asking about sexual performance and are you having ED, even though you're there for a totally different problem. Another big breakthrough this week is uh, came to light. And down the road, I think this could really be significant, but fairly soon, doctors say we're going to be able to cure cataracts with medication instead of surgery. Some forms of cataracts are due to proteins in the lens of your eye that become tangled and misshapen and makes that cloudiness that you see in a cataract. Well, in the lab, they found that a particular drug is improving this condition up to 41%. Lots more work ahead on this, but man, that's a important breakthrough. If you're able to remove cataracts and cure that problem without surgery, that's coming down the road. And hey, speaking of this vision, uh, the FDA has now approved a new drug that treats presbyopia. That's the condition that us old guys have that you need reading glasses, right? It's eye drops that now are approved for use of presbyopia. So you take these eye drops, and in about 15 minutes, your pupils contract. That changes the vision of uh, your ability to see, and you no longer need to use your reading glasses. Pretty interesting, huh? The uh, cost of this stuff, about $80 a bottle, and uh, insurance is not going to cover it because they consider that not medically necessary. Another big breakthrough uh, that I found fascinating this week has to do with preventing tissue rejection in organ transplants. Now, for the first time, doctors say they've been able to train the immune system not to attack a transplanted kidney, so totally eliminating the need for anti-rejection medications. found this in the New England Journal of Medicine and it describes a case involving kidney transplants in three children who had an extremely rare genetic condition. It destroys their ability to fight infection, and then that causes kidney failure. Well, after these kids had a kidney transplant, they're now three years on, and they are not needing these anti-rejection drugs because of this process they used. Now, it's pretty extensive and pretty extreme, but it does kind of point us in a direction where medicine could be going. They use chemotherapy and radiation to totally wipe out the child's immune system. And then they take stem cells harvested from the parent, give them to the child that reestablishes an immune system for the child that looks a lot like their parents, and then the parent donated a kidney. And in these kids, that donated kidney was able to survive without rejection. So that is a dramatic process to undertake, but it means you won't 
won't have to be on those rejection drugs for the rest of your life. And everyone living with the transplant up to this point has had to be on those immunosuppressive medications. And they do have some side effects, and they change the way you have to live. And coming up, we're going to be talking with a kidney transplant patient about how he manages and what's different in his life. And it's someone you know, WoWo's own Pat Miller. We'll learn about his life after kidney transplant next on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. Welcome back to Health Call Live. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just call us at 447-1190. You know, organ transplants, what a modern-day miracle that really we do take for granted, don't we? The first human transplant, you know when that was? 1967. The patient lived just 18 days. It was a heart transplant back in uh, South Africa. The patient, well, his heart did not give out at the end of those 18 days. His heart was still just fine. Problem is, the anti-rejection drugs of the day weren't all that sophisticated, and his immune system was so deeply suppressed that he actually died of pneumonia in both lungs after 18 days of a new heart. So today, though, we understand the science of immuno suppression so much better. And that's good because, you know, when you have a transplant, you're going to be taking these drugs the rest of your life. And that also means a lifetime of being wary against infection of any sort. It's sort of just the price you have to pay for that transplant. So drugs to suppress the immune system, they are, as I said, much better, but still they have some side effects. Some patients really struggle. Others well, they adjust and they do pretty well. And Wowo's own Pat Miller is one of the lucky majority who's been able to take these meds without significant issues for many years. Uh, my transplant was in May of 16. So I just crossed six years with my kidney, uh, and the kidney's doing fine. But the anti rejection drugs have been part of my life since the day I came out of surgery. And tell me about them. What, what is the major side effect that you're feeling? Um, as far as the side effect, as far as feeling, I don't really feel anything. Um, it, it, it just has become more of a thing of awareness that I have to be aware, like silly things like I can't have grapefruit or grapefruit juice because that you know reacts with the anti-rejection drugs. Um, I've got to be careful about some sun exposure, although I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not as careful with it as I've been. And one of the things where I take the most heat, Lee, is, and I get this from callers, and I understand, you know, COVID became very political, very quick, and you had, you had vaccine, non-vaccine. Uh, I got it, so I'm going to take this drug, the same one the president took. You get into all that. I did the two COVID vaccines, minor Pfizer. Uh, so I did the one, and then I waited the uh, approximate amount of time I was supposed to, went back in and did the other. Six months later, I did my first booster. Six months to the day after that one, I've now done my second booster. Um, and I, I guess the main thing, Lee, as far as side effects is I'm not sick. I mean, I've I've come through COVID, knock on for Mike or whatever it is I have here. I've come through COVID, and I've never gotten sick with any of the different variants wow. of COVID. Well, it's because you've been so careful, right? You're avoiding Probably so. those exposure opportunities. Yep. yep. You know, we we have, you know, as you know, we have portable uh, mobile units that we can broadcast from. There's one at my house uh, in my study, 
And I did almost a full year from home. And then I went back for about a month, five weeks, when that second round hit and did it there. But I rarely do it from home anymore. But if things ramp up on whatever variant comes through the next time, um, I'll probably go back home. Some doctors advise patients to avoid any source of infection, and that includes uh, food-related infections. So yep. unpasteurized beverages, yep. don't drink raw milk or raw yogurt. Yep. They, have, they ask you to avoid the salad bar. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't, uh, yeah. You don't want to touch food other people have touched. You just don't want to do it. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Kim is militant uh, with my diet at home. Um, I mean, you know, I use almond milk on certain mm-hmm. kinds of cereal that I have to eat. Um, you know, she'll make a salad or she'll buy a salad and then make sure it's properly taken care of before I eat it. Um, I'm on certain kinds of dressings for salad, um, certain kinds of meats. I, I can't have, in fact, when I see my doctor the next time in August, um, my kidney doctor, I need to ask him because at first they said no lunch meats, you know, and no, yeah. del- no deli counters or anything because... Who knows, right? And I need to ask them if I'm beyond that now, because I would kill for a bologna sandwich, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Have, do they, i assuming they check, they check you for hyperkalemia, which is high potassium. Yes. Risk. Are you, are, are you being yep. monitored for that? Yes. Every time I go to the doctor, I go to the lab the week before, and they draw about six vials of blood. And they're checking mm-hmm. everything. They're checking A1C. They're checking um, the CMV virus I had, because even though it was gone for about a year and a half, it was still slightly present in my system. And now the the numbers on that have actually gone negative the last couple of times. So that's awesome. But yeah, it's Excellent. who knows what all they check, Lee. I mean, they they check everything. So no dizziness, headache, uh, seizures, no um, trembling of the hands or numbness initially when you were first on these drugs? Those are fairly common side effects. I, I have some level of dizziness even to this day. I've got to be very okay. careful if if I'm down like in a squat or a bend over. If I come up mm-hmm. fairly quickly, I can the room will go sideways and I'm worthless for about two minutes. Um, I have I have fallen. I, I fell at a 10-caps game uh, earlier in the season. I have fallen in the hallway here, but it doesn't happen every day. It's not huge. There are just some precautions I put in place now that I'm just very, very careful. Okay, I'm getting up from being down on the floor, playing with BJ, and I'm getting up now, and I'll make getting up a really slow process so that I don't bring yeah. on some dizziness. Because every time I get dizzy, Kim goes into a fit. So you're on you're on a high pl- high blood pressure medication, right? Yes, and and I'm so, also on Jardians for my blood sugars. Yeah, so so you've got the trifecta there. You're the the immunosuppressant, yep. the high blood pressure med, and the Jardians. Yep. So yeah, you were at, you were at risk for something called orthostatic hypotension, which is a blood pressure drop related to sudden movement. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, I, see, I can see you being in that situation, sure. Yeah, I, I'm so, great fun. I, yeah. I, I, I could entertain at parties. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fat boy down. Oh, listen, I, I appreciate I'm sure there's, there's uh, we know the transplant saved your life. Yes, it did. Uh, and the kidney's doing great, the, by the way. 
Great. That's where I was just going to go. So the life of a kidney, because of the influence of, you know, the body still, even though you're on those uh, anti-rejection medications, your body still sees that as a foreign object. Yep. Do they give you any indication as to how long you think that kidney can last? He, he made the comment a couple of years ago when he looked at the numbers and saw where I was because my creatinine level, which is the enzyme that they check on your kidney function, was horrible mm-hmm. the day of my transplant. They say when you're at about 5.5 or 6, you've just about checked out. Well, I was 5.5 two weeks before the transplant. The day of the transplant, I was at 7.0. The wow. day The day of the transplant that night I was at 1.2 the next day I was at 1.0 and I've basically stayed there ever since he told me he says you probably have wow. a 30 year kidney wow yeah but when that's I check fantastic. politics that's I don't know that I want to be here 30 years I'm just telling you right now <laughs> He is such a smart aleck, isn't he? That is Pat Miller from the afternoon show here on Wobo, the Pat Miller Show. My brother is also a kidney transplant patient, and uh, thank goodness he has been able to get through life quite well, just like Pat. So there you go, the life of a transplant patient. Got to run, guys. We'll see you next Saturday morning right here on the Health Call Live Radio Hour. Hope you're listening. You've been listening to Health Call Live. Watch a recording of today's program on the Health Call Facebook page or on the web at www.healthcall.live. Drop us a line to recommend a guest or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for another edition of Health Call Live on WoWo 1190 a.m. and 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.